Hello, welcome to our Search for Truth program, which is 15 minutes of hymn singing and Bible ministry. And we're with our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, as usual. Today, we begin a new series of 12 weeks of studies about something the whole planet desperately needs to know these days, and it's to know a greater sense of God. The world today, in the most part, seems to have lost respect and reverence for God, particularly in the Western world. We see it how governments mismanage and how many nations behave aggressively toward each other. God could rule in love and peace in this world if we all let him into our hearts, for it's in our hearts that our problems lie. We need to know God. Over the next 12 weeks, it's Brian's aim to help us to do just that, to develop a greater sense of God. So here's Brian with his first study, which he's called A Vivid Experience. Thanks, John. The Bible, you know, is full of the records of people who experience God slipping into their life from another dimension and changing their lives forever. I've known times when extraordinary things have happened and been equally sure my part was only to contribute the ordinary, while God had slipped in and supplied the extra. The results have been lasting. The greatest example that all Christian believers share is their conversion experience, when they encountered God through his word, the Bible. Though logical and philosophical arguments for the existence of God are compelling, at least as compelling as any argument of that type can be, how much more satisfying when we have a concrete or even sensory experience of God, as in sensing him breaking through into the everyday humdrum of our lives and changing them permanently. God reveals himself to us that we may know him. He wants us to have a relationship with him. The good news of the Christian message is news of a new deal. God calls it a new covenant, something like a contract. God says, it's not any matter of external religion, but he'll write his laws on our hearts. He says guilt will not haunt us, but he totally reassures us that he'll no more remember our sins. Most importantly of all, he says, we'll know him. Christian author Packer, in his classic book, Knowing God, wrote, Not many of us, I think, would ever naturally say that we have known God. The words imply a definiteness and matter-of-factness of experience to which most of us, if we are honest, have to admit that we are still strangers. With most of us, experience of God has never become so vivid as that. With Ezekiel, the Old Testament Bible prophet, his experience of God was about to become very vivid indeed. We'll let Ezekiel himself take up his own story. While I was by the river Kebar, among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's exile, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kebar, and there the hand of the Lord came upon him. Forgive me if I interrupt the account here. I simply want to explain the prophet Ezekiel's circumstances. Clearly, He's not anywhere in the land of Israel at this point, but in the land of the Chaldeans. And he's told us that he's among the exiles. You see, God's ancient people, Israel, had been extremely disloyal to the God who treated them so well. 
And after many warnings and appeals, God did as he had warned and permitted them to be taken captive, transported away to Babylon. And Ezekiel finds himself among them, even though I think we can assume his behaviour had not been like that of his compatriots. But God had a purpose in him being among the exiles in a foreign land. We'll let him continue to share his experience with us. As I looked, behold, a high wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing intermittently and a bright light around it, and in its midst something like gleaming metal in the midst of the fire. There was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazuli in appearance, and on that which resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance of his waist and upward something like gleaming metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw something like fire and there was a radiance around him. Like the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. I'm sure that was the day when God became much more real to Ezekiel, for it must have been an unforgettable experience. Vivid, certainly. A storm on its own can be a captivating sight, but in this case it was simply the awesome vehicle through which God graphically displayed the splendour of his being to his prophet. Why were certain prophets, such as Ezekiel and Isaiah, privileged to have such experiences of God? One reason for sure is that God had very difficult ministries for them to fulfil. When their audiences would prove stubbornly unresponsive, it must have been so tempting for them to want to give up or to wonder what was the point of it all. There would be many times when they'd need to fall back on the memory of that very vivid encounter with God. Such a glimpse of the splendour of God was also necessary to make Ezekiel's ministry totally authentic. This is because the major theme of his message to his people was about their need to know God. How do we know this? It's simply because on so many, many occasions he'd have to announce to the people, speaking on God's behalf, and saying to them that you may know that I am the Lord. Try counting how many times these words are recorded in the Bible book that bears Ezekiel's name. You'll find the words, that you may know that I am the Lord, more than 60 times. And what that has to show, and this is so important, what it shows is that this is the great need of the Lord's people at any time. God's people's great need is to know God in all his total otherness as revealed in Scripture and to become like him in all his communicable attributes. There would appear to be four main ways in which God makes himself known through Ezekiel. He reveals his splendour, his transcendence, his holiness and his judgments. And this disclosure was to a people who were ruined, whose own existence was fleeting, whose sinfulness was scarcely imaginable and who deserved only judgment from God. It's here we find stark contrasts of God's splendour over against human ruin, 
of divine transcendence over against human transitoriness, of his holiness over against human sinfulness, but also of his mercy for his own namesake over against the judgment rebellious humans truly deserve. Yes, the book of Ezekiel is a picture painted in strongly contrasting colours. And so we must begin our studies where God began with his prophet Ezekiel, with a dazzling display of his majestic splendour. God makes himself known to us as a God who is glorious in holiness. And basically, God's holiness is his otherness. God is like no other. There is no one else like the Lord. He alone is without beginning. He is absolutely sovereign. He's the immutable God, that is, the unchanging God. God repeatedly declares himself to us in these categories. There is no glory like the glory of the Lord. What the prophets saw was clearly beyond what words could adequately convey. There's a sense that he's struggling to express himself here. He's trying to describe something resembling the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. It's really too wonderful for words. We're talking about knowing God in these studies. Now, Moses was someone who once said to God, let me know you, show me your glory. God's response to that request by Moses is recorded in Exodus chapter 34. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithfulness for thousands, who forgives wrongdoing, violation of his law and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, inflicting the punishment of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And Moses hurried to bow low toward the ground and worship. And well might he. At the very core of that self-revelation of God is the word hesed, meaning faithful love, that may be translated as goodness, but is properly captured by the thought of supreme generosity. Right away, we can see the most fundamental difference between God and ourselves. God is other-centred whereas sin has made us all to be self-centred, admittedly, some more so than others, apparently. When God shared this cluster of his own moral perfections, he spoke of himself as abundant in goodness and truth. This goodness or loving kindness is the quality of generosity, giving to others consistently beyond what the recipients deserve. This is grace. And this focal point of God's moral perfection is the quality of wishing others should have what they need to make them happy. Now, I promise you, we're going to wrap up today's message with a truth involved in coming to really know God that's almost too wonderful to absorb. And it's this, that God has chosen to make his happiness to be dependent on ours. As Packer said, through setting his love on men, God has voluntarily bound up his own final happiness with theirs. On that, we need to meditate and pray and praise until the fact becomes part of our true knowledge of the God of majestic splendour 
and transcendent glory. I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk and found it helpful. So do write in, please, if you have any questions or comments, and Brian will be pleased to write to you. And now, may I please remind you, as usual, there's a transcript book available of the 12 study talks in this series. So why not send for it? Then you'll be able to get more out of the radio talks. Just write in and ask for the title, A Greater Sense of God. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. It's been great to enjoy your company again today. Thank you. And do join us again next week for another study which Brian's called A Mobile Throne. That's a throne that sat on, not a phone we chat on. So till we see you next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Great is thy Faithfulness.